in ground. Fifth story. High, but not too high. Off the ground floor, but not so high up that I couldn't have a drink and a smoke on the balcony without the vertigo kicking in. Not that there was any foot traffic to speak of that might go gawking in windows. The sidewalk was only an odd formality, leading from the front door of the building to the air conditioner, and most folks in the parking lot were more interested in getting to their car and getting somewhere else than they were peeping into rooms. Mine was on the interior of the building anyways, overlooking the courtyard pool, which I'd expected to find busy and ripe for people watching. Could hang out alone with a cigarette and a beer and still have the passive illusion of sociality, but instead sat empty at 9.30 on a Friday night. And in fact, had been empty for as long as I'd been in the hotel. Earlier in the evening, I'd been down there myself, but was driven off of the deck chair and back to my room before 15 minutes had passed. Something about the quiet gave me the creeps. If I nudged the chair a bit on the tile, everyone in the building would hear it. Something in the emptiness and the stillness settled in me as an intense unease, which no amount of focused breathing could resolve, which only relented when I tucked my book under my arm and grabbed my drink. I walked back to the room, but when I latched the door and stood there a second, I realized I was breathing like I had just escaped something. A warm breeze swirled down from above, funneled by some quirk of architecture and air currents into the courtyard. It's 12 degrees Fahrenheit back in Illinois tonight. A maid moved down the corridor below, vacuuming. I could see only her long shadow projected out onto the courtyard tiles. This was, presumably, the only action in town which was really just a little cluster of commerce around the freeway exit, after 9 p.m. when the Mexican place closed. But the bar sat empty and waiting. The only person I saw all night aside from the man at the desk who checked me in was the man on the balcony across from mine and a few doors over. His outside light was off, but he appeared to be wearing a bathrobe and bulky headphones. Looking over my shoulder, I could see my outside light on covered in moths and other tapping insects. I imagined in my head that we had made some sort of tacit connection, being the only two souls up and about in the place. Surely he'd noticed me, though. In all my time glancing over him, I never could tell when or if he was looking back at me. He was gone when I awoke. I wasn't wearing a watch and could only guess at the time. A cold fear of waking in a strange place at a strange hour. Somehow I had managed not to spill the drink in my hand. It was warm. Even on a deep summer night back home, the bugs never got this loud. Mile upon endless mile of featureless marshalling in every direction, somehow, some way, tamed, if only for a stretch, if only for today. Always encroaching, always growing back. The front desk clerk came back to my mind then. I cannot say why. I'd waited an exceptionally long time for him to emerge from his office in the back. I could hear the little TV he was watching, but ringing the bell seemed to do nothing. I remembered the deeply confused look on his face when I told him I needed a room for the night, as if I'd asked him for a movie ticket or a car wash. It made me shudder a little to think of it. The pool and bar were dark. The little music that had been playing was gone. 
a handful of stars were visible in the sliver of sky framed above the courtyard. My heart was still beating fast. I had dreamt I was back on the road, somewhere between Punta Gorda and Bradenton. The disorientation faded, but the kernel of fear continued to smolder in my chest. Something had changed. I re-examined my surroundings. Everything was the same, only darker, quieter. Humming of an air conditioner, ice shifting in the machines. The occasional car passing on the highway without slowing. Come tomorrow, I'd be back out there with them, following the white lines till my eyes crossed. In my dream, I was falling asleep and I pulled off at a rest stop. The clock on the dash was flashing 12.58, 12.58, but by the amount of cars on the road, I'd have guessed it was closer to 9 or 10. The lot was half full and I parked near the bathroom. What happens if you fall asleep in a dream? There was someone down by the pool. Maybe they had moved and caught my eye, or maybe my eyes had adjusted somewhat to the dark. It was a woman in her 20s or 30s. She was wearing a bathing suit, and even in the dark, her beauty was evident, though I could see nothing of her face. She was standing near the edge and looking straight down into the water. The opposite end was dimly illuminated by a light beneath the surface. Her black hair was aglow with the red light of an exit sign. Had I been snoring? Did she know I was up here? If she did, she made no sign. For several minutes, she did not move, just stared down into the water. I was in a trance that I had no real desire to break. For as long as she looked at the water, I could scarcely take my eyes from her. At some point, the air conditioning shut off, and I could hear a plane going past, miles overhead. The water lapping at the concrete sides, shimmering on the bar, and the white stucco walls and archways. And then she jumped in. My eyes must have wandered because I nearly fell out of my chair when I heard her hit the water. Tiny bubbles like stardust rushed to the surface above her head. She was little more than a shadow then, gliding beneath the surface like a half-finished dream. One of those that break like dawn spiderwebs across your face when you awake. I hadn't planned to stop except maybe for a quick nap in the car. I was due in Tallahassee tomorrow afternoon. But the drive was forever. This state just goes on and on. I could feel my mind unwinding like a scroll over the blacktop, and I needed to be off the road. After what happened at that rest stop, sleeping at another was out of the question. Her movements were effortless. It felt as if she were putting on a show, and at the same time, like something I wasn't supposed to see. Back and forth, back and forth, not a single motion wasted her limb out of place. Her dark hair trailed behind her in long tendrils. Her body and the water ceased to be separate entities, melted into one continuous hypnotic flow. Traveling for business, another grim unexpected perks of adulthood. I parked in front of some vending machines between two cars. Their doors were open and a handful of people were standing around, apparently chatting. But when I cut my engine and stepped outside, nobody was talking. They were all staring at me. I eyed them, gave a terse nod that went unacknowledged, made sure my car was locked and headed for the restroom. I could feel their eyes on me the whole way. It struck me as a strange place to just hang out, but that was apparently what they were doing. Between the plates on my car and my direction of travel on the interstate, I realized 
that the freedom of a wide open road was largely an illusion. It would actually be relatively easy for an interested party or bad actor to predict where I was going. And with a little bit of basic algebra, where I might be at any given time over the next 10 to 12 hours. And they were still staring at me when I emerged. Uh, only I could have sworn that there were even more people than I remembered, just hanging out. I thought and thought hard. Would I recognize any of them if they walked into the lobby right now? There was movement in the extreme of my periphery, something moving in the near corner of the balcony, like ink sliding down a black page. I leapt to my feet before I even saw what it was, sprung from the seat by raw fright, pure fear, by the nearness of it, by the interruption of a solitude, the safety, which a tenth of a second before I had taken utterly for granted. Or perhaps my tree-ape brain recognized it perfectly for what it was and reacted accordingly before my homo sapien brain even had the chance to make an examination. Far, far fewer objects in the primal memory bank to scan for possible identification. The way a football coach will install an abbreviated playbook, a core package of essential plays that his team can drill to perfection till they become muscle memory, instinct, and his players no longer have to think. They simply move. There was a black snake, a pile in the corner each ribbon of scales drifting past the others in a hypnotic disharmony, like freight trains arranging in a rail yard. The tongue flicked out, and I saw her eye. She seemed to be looking at me. But as soon as I'd made the assessment that she was not an immediate threat, my eyes were drawn back to the woman in the water. She emerged like a glazed vase, a piece of precious art, encased in a layer of silken water before the surface tension broke with the smallest blip. If I hadn't been watching, I wouldn't have heard it at all, and, placing both palms on the deck, pulled herself out of the pool with perfect ease. I glanced at the snake. She was watching me, but hadn't moved from the corner. I felt sure in that moment, all at once, that every other room in the hotel, were there 200? 300 more was empty in spite of the cars in the parking lot flying in the face of rationality I knew in my bones that there was nothing and nobody behind every single one of those identically curtained square windows except maybe for some particle board furniture and paper thin duvets and probably not even that only empty dusty boxes The woman was standing once more at the edge of the pool, this time facing away from the water, her arms hanging stagnant at her sides, staring off at nothing in particular, nothing that I could tell, at least. She stayed that way for several minutes. From my distance, I could not even see her chest moving to breathe. The snake curled around on herself, but remained where she was. And then, something strange happened. The woman started to shake, to convulse. She began to thrash in stilted, staccato little movements at first, and then more violently, as disjointed and awkward as her performance in the water had been smooth and graceful. Bizarre, heinous wretches 
her body moving in ways that I wasn't even sure how I would have begun to replicate. My mind began to crack beneath the weight of the unreality of it. I had never seen the human form twitch and spasm that way. The snake was gone. I lifted my legs, checked frantically beneath my chair. No sign. I jumped up and stood on it anyways. When I returned my attention to the pool, the woman appeared to be laughing silently, both hands on her belly, tilting her head back, her person bobbing up and down in an exaggerated mime of joviality. She went through this motion several times, like a wind-up toy on a loop, and then stopped. Her arms returned to her sides, and she was still a moment. And then she turned her head back and up, looking in my direction. My blood froze. Her face was still shrouded in shadow, detailless. I ducked down behind the half wall. It was impossible to know if she'd seen me. When I gathered the nerve to look again, she was still gazing up toward my balcony. Then, without warning, she stepped off the ledge and dropped back into the water, stepped as casually as if she'd expected to find solid ground. She floated halfway down, suspended in time and space, making no move to return to the surface. Then she began to kick, to writhe. Her body turned and jerked about and quipped theatrical gestures. She struggled in place, grasped at her throat, reached out for the surface as though she were drowning. And then she was still. Her head tilted forward, and her arms drifted up until they were perpendicular. Her hair floated just beneath the surface like limp seaweed. She lingered in that pose, pushed gently along by the current, and did not move again. I jumped from the chair and ran to the door, skipped the elevator and raced past the ice machine, down the stairs two at a time. When I had arrived earlier that evening, an old woman was sitting in one of the high-backed chairs in the lobby across from the front desk. I didn't think anything of it at the time, but as I passed the empty chair on the way to the pool, the image of her returned. Not chatting or reading the brochures, not on the phone or waiting for service, just sitting there, looking straight ahead. She didn't acknowledge me when I came in, and at some point while I waited there for the clerk to arrive, without warning, she simply stood up and left. The television was still playing in the back office, but there was an intense feeling of absence in my stomach that told me the clerk was no longer around. I found the pool as dark and abandoned as I'd last seen it from my balcony. There was water on the deck where the woman had stood, but when I peered down into the pool, I found it empty. I glanced around. She was nowhere to be found. It had taken me perhaps 20, no more than 30 seconds to cover the distance between my room and the pool. I inspected the ground again, looking for some trail that might indicate which way she had gone, but there was none. The hum of the fridge behind the bar was impossibly loud. The calm of the water mocked me, twisted my stomach into a knot. I looked up at all those vacant windows, row after row of them staring down at me, and I felt as empty inside as I imagined the rooms to be, a sucking void at the center of my being, dissolving inward toward a black hole. All at once I felt dangerously unsolid, felt the earth spinning around and around and around like a rusted old carnival ride. I waited there several minutes for the dizziness to subside, waited for her to reappear, waited because I did not know what else to do. I was a paying guest, 
So why did I feel like I was trespassing? Like, if I was discovered standing there, there would be unspeakable consequences. A hill of ice tumbled through a distant ice machine, cut from some ancient glacier. A dozen vending machines murmured their low buzzy ohm, the vibration that had been stirring without pause since the beginning of the universe. The frequency matched whatever was inside of me, and for a moment my body was completely porous, inside passing out and outside in, without distinction, whatever was left of me melting into the atmosphere. I returned to my room but halted just inside the door. As far as I could see, nothing about the place had changed during my absence, and yet I was struck with the distinct feeling of having returned somewhere before I was expected, a disturbance in the air, as if the place had been abandoned in haste only a moment earlier. I waited for the feeling to fade and then made my way to the bed. I turned down the sheets and turned off the lamp. I climbed halfway under the covers and stopped. Why? Why had I stopped? Frozen in cold fear, I could not move any farther. I backed up, turned the lamp on once more. I had heard something, some rustling in the sheets that wasn't quite right. I tore the pillow off the bed. There, waiting for me, looking at me, was the snake. Tongue darting, terrible scales, her blackness revolting against the whiteness of the linens. I needed to get out of Florida. Soft patter of bare feet on hotel carpet, narrow ankle shadows flash beneath the door. I wonder, if I got a running start, could I land in the pool from the balcony?